Whatever. It's what? fine. What? It's fine. Why is it fine? It's fine. I don't understand. What's wrong? Did I do I'm something being, wrong, Bill? I'm being passive-aggressive. Oh, why? Because it's comedy. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, did I say something wrong? I was genuinely worried there. I listened to some of the music that you sent me last week. Only some? Uh, yeah, only some. <laughs> uh, in that, it was just uh, Spandau Ballet. Okay. Uh, so I thought I just uh, I'd like to discuss what I thought about, uh, okay. and then I've got a fun game planned for us. So Spandau Ballet, I I didn't like it. Okay. I'll tell you what it's the funny story, right? I listened to the album on YouTube. Through the Barricades, that album. Yeah, I listened to Through the Barricades by Spandau Ballet on YouTube. And my initial thought was like, it sounds like oddly digital and almost as if they're doing this sort of weird rubato, like bits are speeding up and slowing down quasi-randomly. And I was like, what is this? And I kept re-listening to it and I was like, there's something wrong here. Like, this is not right. Like, it's not in time. It's not good. And I found out that I listened to the whole album about twice on about 1.25x speed. Uh, which fairly marred my uh, experience of Spandau Ballet. Well, that won't help. No, it doesn't help. But once I slowed it down, I my my uh, my thoughts were that you I don't like your man's voice. Really? Yeah, I really dislike your man's oh. voice. It sounds like he's a little sick. Like he's got like his throat's a bit clogged. It's a bit. Kind of, <laughs> I, I don't like it. I really don't like it. What I did like. Is the saxophone did not sound crap? Yeah, yeah, yeah really good saxophonist. Yeah, yeah, like saxophone is one of those things where it can get into like cringe territory really quickly. Yeah, especially in the eighties. Especially in the eighties, but this one it just it, it sounded like an electric guitar. Like the solos were like, yeah, this is good. I haven't learned any of the solos off this album. I've learned the the solo from True though, which is another one of their big hits. Do you? Oh, you play sax, don't you? I do. Yeah, you do. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm fan of the fan of the sax. It was good. It was very, very good. Uh, the arrangements are are good. Yeah, the first half of the album is better than the last half. Much better than the last half. But your man's voice is just I don't I do not like his voice. Hmm. But there you go. There you go. So fun game, right? Let's do the fun game. I oh I need to grab my phone. Sorry, give me one second. As part of the game, you need to grab your phone. I do. I do because okay. I have uh, I have the document saved on my phone. Oh, okay. Okay, so we got a plethora of song suggestions from people. Mm-hmm. And I've noted them all in a doc. And I thought what might be a cool idea is to pick a random number. And okay. that will be our homework for the month, to go listen to that album. All right. Okay, so both of us have to do it, and we have to report back. What's the... What's the... Um, number from what to what? Uh, from 1 to 36. One to thirty-six. Okay, I'm gonna get. At no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hold on. What was, was it before we do that? The rules of engagement here. Some people left just single songs. Okay. All right. We won't do single songs. If we land on a single song, we'll listen to that entire album. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And then some people also didn't specify albums at all. They just specified a band. In which case, we are free to pick whichever album we find or want to listen to. Okay, but we have to listen to the same one, so we have to agree on an album, right? Okay, we'll, yeah, we'll listen to the same, the same album, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Alright, so, do you want to load up your random number generator there? 
Okay, so 1 to 36. 1 to 36. 14. What's 14? Okay, so 14 is uh, the Hishau Brothers. How do you spell that? <laughs> H-I-S-H-O-U Brothers. Okay. Okay, I know nothing of this band or these people, but that's our homework. I'm assuming that is the band, so we're going to have to choose an album, which we'll do off air. Okay. And whoever the Redditor or emailer was that left that suggestion, thank you very much. I haven't noted any names here because the list is huge. But we will report back next week with the Hishau brothers. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> and feel free, guys, to keep leaving music suggestions. This is actually really cool. Like, I'm, I like expanding my knowledge base here. Right. Okay, so, Bill. Edgar. Shall we do some follow-up proper? Yeah, let's. All right, so last episode we did political world building, or rather, you did political world building. Yep. So we received a lot of questions and comments from people. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I'd put some of them to you and have you address it as a means of follow-up, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, let's start with the Reddit, you slash Lupier, our resident black metaler. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he asks, how is the religion if it exists in this setting in which the system is presented, interacting with the government? Is there a state religion? Are there any restrictions or regulations on what religions in your setting can do? As I think I said in the last one, I'd see this system or variants of the system being able to work in a, a number of settings. Um, like I, don't, I, I didn't kind of just think up a, that this would only ever work in... in the setting I'm placing it in. I'm trying to think of it in terms of like a monarchy or a democracy, that it's something that could apply in lots of situations. So there's no one answer to that question. I would guess that because I was kind of thinking of it as a broadly medieval or Renaissance kind of of setting, mm. the one I'll, I'll be placing it in, then there would probably be religion. I wouldn't imagine there would be a state religion and because because this system is so flexible, it could interact in a lot of different ways. There may be one area of the the nation that has a, you know absolute separation of church and state that ecclesiastical laws can have nothing to do with electing representatives, mm-hmm. and there may be one in which the local clergy sit on the the board of the the city's government and then they make huge decisions in appointing people because i think I, I i mean i think that makes it more interesting that there is an overlapping of different jurisdictions and different ideas yeah i, mean, I use the, the holy roman empire as kind of a source of some inspiration for it and the electors of the holy roman empire could indeed be bishops they could be primarily religious roles or primarily uh ecclesiastical roles mm-hmm. yeah definitely i think the strength of your system is just that like the diversity of content in a way Mm -hmm. so yeah when i was thinking about this question i thought that you wouldn't have a state religion Mm -hmm. and just based on on what you said i it seems to me be very localized yeah Um, and that's yeah i've no reason other than no reason for that other than just it felt that way yeah although on the other hand that could be because it is so um diverse and because it is intended to cover uh, a variety of traditions and stuff you'd probably be able to argue that it does need some kind of unifying factor. And so maybe that unifying factor could be a common ethnic identity or a common language or a common religion. 
uh, ge- geographically, how big is this area? The one I'm specifically setting it in in my own setting. Yeah, like, is it feasible to have like one one ethnic group in a way, or is it, or are we trying to unify a really disparate group of peoples? Um, I'm not prepared to answer that. <laughs> In that you haven't written it, or you're just going to keep it on the, on the hush hush until it's officially released. Kind of both. I mean, that, that's that's. I I I don't want to. I, I'm I'm very particular about how how I reveal information about my setting, and I I haven't made all of those decisions yet. I have a pretty good idea. Okay. But it's it's not. I, I you know there's a lot of things I want to consider there. No, that's totally fine. That's totally cool. So, moving on, Lupier asks, what kind of economic system is present in your setting? Okay, again, some of the same answer. The, uh, uh, variety would be would be available. Um, I know I used feudal a few times in the last podcast in, in mm-hmm. reference to this setting, or to, to this political system. I mean, that, that was a bit misleading, and I, was, I probably used it a little too freely. It was more, I was taking feudalism as a starting point, and I went in a very different direction. So it wouldn't be a, a feudal kind of economic system. Okay. Because power isn't concentrated at the middle and upper levels as much. And the, the you know, the actual, the workers have a great deal more power. I'd imagine it would be a more, more like a mercantile kind of economic system. Okay. Something maybe maybe kind of based around guilds, but certainly there would be uh, a reasonably free market, cool, and merchant houses, things like that. That sounds really cool. There's mm. something very kind of romantic about the idea of guilds. Whenever I read fantasy, and it's like you know you have like the the thieves guild and like the pirates guild. There's something really really romantic about that notion. Um, I realize that's not how it works in real life, but you know, this is just what goes on in my brain. Uh, so finally, Lupier asks, what is the tech level of the setting of the government? Yeah. Does mass scale industry exist and are unions allowed? Um, well, as I said, I'm, I'm thinking of it as, actually, no, I said medieval earlier. I, I'd, I'd go later than medieval. I'd go kind of Renaissance, uh, enlightenment rather than, rather than medieval. Okay. So that would, that would be roughly the tech level I would have in mind. All right. So, as such, mass scale industry doesn't exist. Unions wouldn't really exist either, because I, I don't think that the same kind of um, the, the social assumptions that would be required for a union to arise aren't there yet. Uh, however, I mean, if you wanted to advance it by, uh, uh, you know, advance it along a, a technological progression or into a kind of a more modern setting, I think unions would be a really interesting addition to the political landscape. Why? Because they would represent another power block. So that would be, it would represent another method of organizing workers and organizing the, like the, the, the masses of society. And it would presumably be trans-district. Right, yeah, of course. So it wouldn't just be the people from this particular city organizing in their own interests. It would be all of the factory workers are all of the uh, name 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 a, name a trade all of the plumbers right across the entire group across the entire kind of geographical area representing a, a, a power block so it would add another level of complexity to the the politics i suppose in in some i mean like unions and guilds are quite different but you could look at them in a similar way for this question perhaps because you know if we were talking about guilds the guild of Vittners or the Guild of 
blacksmiths would represent looking after the the concerns of that trade across the country mm-hmm. and not not a not a single localized way. Yeah, so that maybe there'd be some similarities in that sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, do you want? I think they'd be a great addition. Do you want to outline for people just in case they're uh, unaware the difference between guilds and unions? A guild is. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure I'm fully qualified to answer this question, but I'll give it a stab. Um, a guild is more designed to protect the knowledge of the trade and to uh, fix the the price that the they can charge, mm-hmm. whereas unions are there to ensure fair pay from employers so it's kind of a slightly different power dynamic yeah yeah and it's happening in a like guilds are reliant on there not being uh, a particularly free market and they're not being a particularly free exchange of intellectual ideas mm-hmm. yeah because the guild system was replaced by the patent system and that's probably a bit reductive but th- what what's the patent system like you know when you patent an invention oh patent yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. When you when you pronounce it correctly, like then I can get it. Death to linguistic prescriptivists. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Cool. That's that, that's that's actually not a bad summation. Actually, that's quite good. Again, we can draw we can draw links in the show notes if people want yeah. to do some further reading on guilds and unions. And if I'm utterly wrong about that, um, please do tell me because you know I'd love to be right. <laughs> oh, the internet will, and it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be embedded in the internet for the rest of all existence, the time when Bill was wrong about guilds and unions. Good. Yeah, it's Good. great. <laughs> the advantages of doing things Edgar being Edgar, being wrong is just an opportunity to learn something new. Exactly. You learn something new every single day. So there was a thing in the Reddit. Uh, you slash Rednox talked a little bit about you, you saying that the decentralized nature of your system is a negative point. And he talked a lot about how that wouldn't be the case. So I was wondering, have you taught a little bit about the decentralized nature of, of your system? I wasn't saying it was a general negative, but I just meant in terms of you know, responding to specific threats that it could be it could be a drawback. And I, I know Rednox has given me some links to do with the, uh, I think, the, the defense of Barcelona in the Spanish Civil War, which when Barcelona was owned by the, the anarchists or were controlled by the anarchists, um, which I haven't gotten around to reading yet. Okay. Um, so I don't have uh, a lot to say on that. I'm I'm sceptical, but willing to be convinced. Uh, sceptical of what? I, I'm sceptical that being decentralised is not a drawback in certain situations when reacting to outside threats. Okay. Um... But maybe I maybe I expressed my point poorly in the last podcast, or maybe there's there's a factors I haven't considered. So I'm I'm in, I am interested to read this about Barcelona and and see. Um, I've actually I've downloaded a, a bunch of um, anarchist readings recently. Have you? Yes. You're so eclectic. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what uh what is what is recommend something here for me? I'm not going to read it, but just recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't gone around to reading them all yet, <laughs> so I will try have some recommendations for the next for the next podcast. I love the way it's like one week you're reading Conan, and now you're reading 
like anarchist literature. I just I don't. Conan is so badass, though. I no, love no, Conan. Yeah, you know, but each, <laughs> each individual element is is fine. It's perfect. It's the collection of them that is kind of like Bill. What is this? <laughs> But uh, more power to rebounds, great. And finally, we have a question from friend of the show, Zidnaf. Oh, good. Who asks, how are soldiers recruited? Mm-hmm. Who commands them? And perhaps most importantly, who pays them? So the military is fundamentally organized by the cities. Mm-hmm. So the 14 cities or whatever each have uh, responsibility for raising a certain amount of troops and that is how much they have to have to raise is decided by the sovereign court and they themselves are responsible for paying the troops as well how they are recruited well i guess the way it was done in olden days that there was a need for troops and they would send around uh, recruiting officers to the towns and to the villages and to the farms and you know the basically the word would be put out that we need we need young people to come and join the army and they would be you know offered you know good pay or whatever the various enticements were for the most part they'd be commanded by generals or leaders from the cities but they can be seconded to the control of the sovereign court for specific purposes okay so if if the soldiers are from the cities and paid mm-hmm. by the cities and yeah. What is giving them incentive to fight on behalf of everyone? And they're being because and they're being paid by cities. Like they might be like, "Oh, city number fourteen, you've always been a slacker. No one likes you. As someone's attacking you, we'll let you burn." Yeah, yeah. Like there's nothing stopping that. Well, that's why city number fourteen isn't a slacker and knows that it has to keep up its end of the bargain, or the other cities won't. Yeah, yeah, but it, but nothing is ever that black and white. Like, from City 14's perspective, they'd be like, no, no, we are doing all the right things, and it's, uh, I don't know, we are, I don't know, we're not doing this the way you're doing it, because we feel like that's, like, immoral or wrong, we're doing it a different way, but the rest of the 13 cities don't like that, and now there's some sort of military threat, and then City 14 burns because all the individual armies and generals just be like, they just, like, have a mutiny, they're kind of like, well, who cares, they go. That sounds like a good idea for a story. It does, it does. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a negative. I'm just probing you to be like, well, what, what's going on in your head? So you're, you're totally, like, that situation can happen. And like you said, it might be exploited in literature. Th- that's a political crisis. That's an, an entirely believable political crisis to my mind. Okay, cool. That's good. Yeah. It does sound good. It, so- it sounds good. It's like... Um, I mean, like, you know, as, n- nothing's perfect. Civil wars happen all the time. And, you know... In the United States, there was a civil war and loads of the states seceded from the Union because they, they had a disagreement mm-hmm. about about how things should be run. I mean, if, if, the, if the cities themselves are paying the soldiers, that doesn't really change much for me because the cities, the soldiers follow orders. That's what they're for. And the cities will give them orders according to what is decided by the, the Federation. Hmm. But they're still under... Oh, no, actually, we're not. And <laughs> it's going to remember, turn into a big, long debate, what? Remember that until quite modern times, militaries weren't directly controlled by the nation. Militaries were raised by aristocrats. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. So, you know, this, this has happened for a, a huge amount of history, at least in Western Europe. 
Yeah, no, no, totally. And like again, I'm not saying that the, the criticism I outlined there is a negative. Again, it's yeah. just it's just probing you. That's yeah. my, that's my job. Uh, I'm not very good at it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I get better better at it as time goes on. We weren't going to talk about this, but just a really quick thing I want to ask mm-hmm. you again. I hear that we have a government now. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we have a government in Ireland. I need you to explain something to me. Uh, okay. <laughs> No, it's okay. It won't be. It's not risque or anything. Uh, I heard that we have a minority government. Yeah. How? What? How does that even work? I'm not really sure, to be honest. Okay. I think. So the ruling party. The ruling party does not have a majority. Does not have a majority in government, but they have enough of their of the other parties and independents agreed to elect a cabinet. From, from the ruling party and to elect the leader of the ruling party as Taoiseach again. So they they were able to form a cabinet with enough consensus from um, the other parties and independents, but they don't have a firm majority that they'll definitely be able to pass legislation, I think. Huh. That's, I think that's how it works. That's crazy. That is. Oh, yeah. It's, it's massively, massively um, unstable. That's that's amazing. At least they didn't bring it back for another election. The the, the uh, having to vote again is just it's just a real ugh mm-hmm. for people. Like, but we have a government. This is good. Anarchy has been stopped. There's no more rioting on the streets in Ireland anymore because we have a minority government. <laughs> We're not really ones for rioting much, to be honest. No, we we really don't. We really don't. Uh, although, like, there is a couple of things where we kind of get up in arms about, and when we want to mobilize and. And not rioting, but I mean more like protesting and things that we can do it. Yeah. But as a general sort of thing, we're kind of, as a people, we're kind of more like meh towards everything, which is, uh, it's not great. But you know. um, can, I, can I backtrack a little from, on something you asked me earlier? Yeah, of course. You asked me for a recommendation on, on, some, on some writing. Yeah, go for it. I don't know if this exactly counts as, as anarchist as such. I suppose it would have some anarchist elements, but uh, I read uh, a, a very short book by... A writer called uh, Abdullah Ocalan. Okay, yeah. Who is a Kurdish leader, and he's in, he's imprisoned in, in Turkey at the moment. He was the leader of one of the the main uh, Kurdish groups that warred against the Turkish government, and he's written this this book, which is called Democratic Confederalism. Okay, it's it's a real interesting idea that he he's come up with, which is how to organize communities in a democratic way. And it, it kind of, I could see some things that I could apply to this setting I'd come up with, or this system that I'd come up with. He starts out with a, a fairly substantial critique of the idea of the nation state and um, criticizes yeah, from the point of view of uh, capitalist modernity and globalization, things like that. Mm-hmm. And instead proposes that you build consensus from small autonomous communities, and he was he was proposing this as a solution to the the, the problems of the Kurds. That okay. to actually build a new Kurdish state, like to actually have a, like a Kurdish state taking part in the UN and everything, wouldn't really be a satisfactory solution in his mind. But to build consensus from autonomous communities of Kurds would avoid a lot of the problems that he sees and that he outlines as existing with the nation state. He says, he makes a couple of philosophical points I don't really agree with, 
but it's uh it makes for it's it's a very short book. It's only about forty five or sixty pages or something. The oh, PDF. There, I may actually read it then. Yeah, it's it's worth a look. Okay, cool. I, I might I might read it and talk to the captain uh, about mm. it because uh, she has a well, not really a degree. She has done politics at third level, mm-hmm. uh, so it's always interesting to have a political talk with her because she hates it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if I was to recommend something, I'm, I don't know if it strictly counts as anarchist, but I suppose it's pretty pretty critical of the state. So you could you could see it that way. Um, that's that's maybe worth a look. Okay, we will throw it in the show notes. Hardcore politics nerds can uh, can have a read of it. Yeah, sure. Cool. Okay, so Bill, you've been doing some world building again. I have. You yes, have. I have. Your content production here is crazy, man. It's good. Yeah, I'm just I'm a, I'm a world building machine. <laughs> you are. <laughs> so what have you what have you been up to? So as I said in the last podcast, I've written up a little description of this political system that we talked about. Complete with ita- the wonderful italic texts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, my, that's my favourite part of your writing, remember? <laughs> in, in anything I write. In anything, yeah. Every time I see the italic text, I'm like, yes. Oh, like when I wrote the world-building music thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I do like those bits. So when you sent me that and I was like, there's italic text, I was like, yes, I'm going to like this. <laughs> and I did. It was very good. Thank you very much. Uh, so I was, I was quite happy with it. Are we going to throw it in the show notes? Is this something that is uh, open for public consumption or not? I've got uh, a few small edits to make. Okay. But I reckon I could I could um, put it up on a blog somewhere, which we can link to in the show notes. Um, I mean, this, we're going up a few days after recording, right? Because I'm crazy busy for the next few days, but... It could be several days. I'm also okay. crazy busy. Like, I, cool. <laughs> I estimate I won't get editing this for another maybe four days. Okay, well, in yeah. that case... Well, that's all in the past now, according to anyone who's listening to it. So, um, in that case, it should already be up, and just scroll down to the show notes for the link. Do you want to give a TLDR teaser of it? I'll talk a little bit about, about the project in general. Okay, go for it. My idea for this this project, this world-building project, is that pretty much everything the readers or the audience encounter will be something that has been created or written in-universe. Okay. So it's not... It will never be a neutral outside observer talking about what is happening in the world. It is always going to be characters from within the setting writing whatever. So writing letters to each other or writing philosophical tracts or... uh, an encyclopedia entry, something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all going to be from within the universe. Oh, I like that, an encyclopedia entry. That's good. Because my go-to thing when I'm world building is to make my own wiki. But mm. it's like, it's um, it's definitely not in-universe. Like, it's just a collection of data on my settings. Uh, yeah. But having a character essentially write their own wiki, that's really cool. I really like that. And I've got, like, ideas. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of the, the world mapped out. Name of the world? Janspar. Janspar. Okay, because I don't think we've actually stated that on the podcast. I don't think we have, no. no. So this world is called Janspar. And everything yeah. we have discussed, barring Handwavia, is this in Janspar? So like the politics system from last time, is that a system in Janspar or is that standalone? 
No, that's 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 Janspar. Okay, um, cool. Cool. I I I haven't really talked much about Janspar stuff on on the podcast in general for this reason that I don't want to. I, I want it all to be presented as in universe. But we can always we can always link via the podcast. We don't need to you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Discuss totally. it. Like oh, I was traveling to uh, I don't know. Give me a name of a thing. Uh, uh, what's here? Kalamazoo. I was traveling to Kalamazoo, Edgar, and I picked up this document from a, a street vendor, and then we can put it in the show notes. Or, or I'll just say I've written a new thing, <laughs> and it's on my blog. <laughs> no need to run with the idea, Bill. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but we, but we will talk about it on the podcast, yes? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cool. happy to talk about it, but I, 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 I don't want it to be me saying this is the facts of my world. I'll just be saying... Well, this is what has been written. This is this is the mm. idea, and whether you choose to trust that particular author or not is is up to you. Are you going to write contradictory works? Like one person writes something on the political system, and then there's another person who writes something completely different because they have a different standpoint. I I would see that as being pretty likely. Okay, okay, that's interesting for us. <laughs> we'll never know what's going on. We're like, well, hang on, is this actually is this actually what Bill thinks? <laughs> Yeah, but, but that's, that's, that's the idea. That's the idea. It's a real world thing, definitely. So you've been so you wrote up this this political document or this political letter. Anything else that you wrote up? Um, I'm working on a couple of things at the moment. Okay, a, a fair bit of of political stuff actually. Mm-hmm. I wrote a little philosophical essay. Okay. Um, again, uh, in universe, uh, a couple of accounts of things happening, and I have. Some I've got a good few notes about, uh, like a, t- to build a gazetteer from. So like places around my my setting, Ooh. which I'll need to re-edit for the language and to kind of update my how I've the setting has changed and to make them appropriate to certain specific authors from in universe. Cool. Um, but I've got I've I've got a substantial amount of material. Some of it's ready for, for public consumption. Cool. So will you just throw it to me and I'll put it in the show notes and people can have a read along? Yeah. Cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, as I say, I've I've got a I've got a, a blog address uh, reserved and once I'm happy with stuff it'll it'll be going up there. Cool. We'll put we'll put all the links in the show notes and people can read about what's going on in Yanspar. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very cool. Um I like this. It's like there's you're doing your world building on your blog and it has a very sort of aesthetic thing to it like this in-universe thing and then the other side of it is my world building here which is kind of like crowdsourced <laughs> and it's just this really cool little thing so i think people who are interested in the process of creating world building, they might be interested in this idea of different like creative impulses and all that which is pretty cool i like it okay so shall we we will we move on to either flag corner or some stories for dagger which one would you like to do first um, let's stick with world building stuff and let's do some stories. Cool, let's do that. Okay, so remember the last time we solicited stories from people? Mm-hmm. Set in dagger slash hand wavy a crossover. Yeah. Now, we got a truckload of ideas, but not so many stories. <laughs> so I, and there's lo- there was loads and loads of ideas. So what I want to do is just read out one that particularly spoke to me and then uh, read out a story that we got. Okay. So we had an email from Marcus Bjorkander, I believe, via email. Mm-hmm. And he has this idea that... We had an email via email. 
Did I? Is that what I said? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and it's probably embedded in a really quickly spoken sentence, so I can't edit it out. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, so we got, we got this email from Marcus, and he talked uh, about incorporating a sort of Stargate device in the dagger hand-wavy crossover universe. Cool. And... The idea being that the, the Stargate, the, the, the locals on Dagger use this Stargate to extract X from people. So you send like you send a body through it. All the physical matter uh, gets, quote unquote, vaporized and disappears and all the X is left behind. But what actually happens is that the body is sent to Handwavia. Okay. All right. So people on Dagger think that they're just like essentially garbage disposing their bodies, but they're actually transferring them to you. So they get the X left behind, and then you, Bill, in Handwavia, get a load of shell-shocked ex-soldiers. Oh, so they're not actually dead? They're not actually dead. No, well, some of them, like, so if, they're, if they've died from X-poisoning, they'll be shoved through as dead corpses. But mm-hmm. some people, like, there could be, I think Marcus, I think, mentions in his email that it might be a case that someone voluntarily gives themselves up, like, say, there's a shortage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the idea being that in hand wave it, you have this sort of, like, hellish world where you have ex-soldiers wandering through, like, fields of corpses and they keep reappearing at, like, a, like a constant rate. It's just so dark. But I think it's really cool. And he further further elaborates saying that because people see that things brought through the Stargate vanish, people could use it as a like quasi-garbage disposal. Yeah. So that means the civilization that has been kind of forced to survive on a hand-wavier planet uh, kind of has to make use of all the junk that also comes through the Stargate. So how, how does Dagger get rid of... Like, you know, the, the uranium rods after they've been used up in nuclear reactors. We just shove them through the Stargate. <laughs> Who knows where they go? Which is great. Well, no, but I think what happens is they like they don't know that it's a transporter. Oh, okay. Like, they think it's a vaporizer. So they just go, yeah. oh, it's been, like, um, torn apart at the molecular level. Because um, I'm sure if it, they knew it was a transporter, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been dematerialized, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so I thought that was really cool, especially because I'm, I'm watching Stargate. And I was kind of like, yes, that's a good, good use of Stargate. <laughs> so, uh, and they also mentioned as well that um, your desert world mm-hmm. should be the kind of prime location for this to happen. Because it's like, they, uh, Marcus assumes that your desert world is habitable but not hospitable mm-hmm. and he thinks that would fit really well with with, with this sort of setting I, I think it's really good <laughs> it's really cool so that was that was uh one story idea that really spoke to me we got we got loads of them and i'm, I'm sorry people we can't i can't read them all out uh, because we would be here literally all day um, but keep them coming in keep them coming in and i will read out I, ones yeah. that are particularly that that just stick with me Thank you for that, Marcus. Mm-hmm. I really like that, and it's it's a good spin. It's a good spin on the idea of making it uh, an afterlife, because it's not. It's just like some of the guys aren't dead, but you know, it would be an entirely reasonable thing to think you've woken up in an afterlife. Yeah, yeah. Marcus says that as well. He's kind of like they they're they're in a confused state of being like, "Am I alive? Am I dead? Where am I? What's going on?" Yeah, this is an unfamiliar sky. This is an unfamiliar landscape. What? Yeah. I think that'd be brilliant, like, and, oh yeah, especially because, like, Dagger is, not Dagger, sorry, Handwavia is a very fantastical setting. Like, you can really ramp up the un- the unfamiliar there. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's really cool. I think that's that's a an idea that will bear much fruit. I like it. I like it. Now, on to a story. We solicited stories from people. Mm-hmm. And as a backup, because I was like, oh, maybe people won't have time to write stories or anything. I talked to Eric Lang yes, of, of 30secfantasy.com, mm-hmm. another friend of the show. And I was like, hey, would you be able to write a story for us, please? And then he was like way ahead of you. And he'd already begun before I even contacted him, which was awesome. Um, That's brilliant. Cheers, Eric. Yeah, it's really cool. Really, really cool. So what we're going to do here is I am going to edit in future Edgar reading his short story at this point. To save us making a whole load of mistakes and ums and ahs and things. (laughs) So you guys can sit back and have a listen to this and we are going to after i'm finished after future edgar is finished reading it talk a little bit about it all right sure thing cool enjoy guys do you know the stories about our leader our savior sage i mean some say his marrow was blessed with the government's good stuff after surviving their bloody experiments more gruesome than outright torture. The government claims he was a recruit in their wizard corps turned deserter. In either case, he left with their powers. The kind of witch that would make a god cry out in envy. His powers let him kick off the rebellion with a bang, or a swat of flames, or a list of other magics long enough to loop around the world. Anyone who knew exactly what his powers were either died the hero's death, or died by his hand. Regardless, there's plenty of people, like you, willing to make up for his absence on the battlefield. To give life and limb for Sage's Rebellion. The form you signed before stepping into my lab had that written in bold across the top. We appreciate your sacrifice though. Unfortunately, the government keeps the good stuff on lockdown. People like me only have the bad stuff, ground out of the bones of your predecessors. Yes, of course it will hurt. It's a needle in your femur after all. Now, if you would, just hold still. There, done. Now my special blend of nanobots carrying the bad stuff around your insides will let you outrace an artillery shell from smoking barrel to crater. Don't know why you would, but now you can. You'll have a few months before the bad stuff does you in. Unlike a courteous house guest, the hero's death comes unannounced. Good luck, wizard. Whether it's the hero's death or a government bullet to the brain, I'll say a prayer over your bones. If I get them back. Now, welcome back. <laughs> Alright, so Bill, what did you think of the story? I liked it. I think it's really cool. You know what? You know what I'm, I've been realizing about this: the ability to write short stories really is a, like a skill that doesn't get much credit. Like the ability to be able to weave a narrative and have a thread and make it engaging in like minimal amounts of words—it's just—it's yeah. mind blowing. And I've tried doing it, and it's just—it's just really, really difficult. The ability to keep things compact is—is a—it's a great skill. Yeah, and still, and again, still keep it engaging because anyone can write a, I don't know, like a, a paragraph long story, but still have have it have something in it is, is yeah. really difficult. I'll tell you what I really liked. Mm-hmm. I really liked. There's a couple of bits in here that kind of 
show that Eric's been listening in a way. He has this, uh, the one quote in it, his powers let him kick off the rebellion with a bang or a swath of flames or a list of other magics long enough to loop around the world. That loop around the world makes me think like he was thinking Donut Planet. <laughs> you wouldn't, or nuts. Or, or nuts, exactly. You wouldn't, oh yeah, exactly, yeah. Because he wouldn't really say loop if the planet was circular. You kind of say like, to like circle the globe or things like that. You'd use more of a circular type word. Loop really stuck me as kind of like, oh yeah, he's been listening to us bang on about Taurus shaped planets. So I really like that. And he also there's a quote down the bottom here. Now my special blend of nanobots carrying the bad stuff around your insides will let you outrace an artillery shell from smoking barrel to crater. Don't know why you would, but now you can. And I really like that last bit because it's kind of like, it's a summation of the sort of gray area of uh, the, the different politics going on in the system. Like, why would you fight this war for someone who like is an ex-government spy in a way and all this ambiguity and it's a really neat little way of summing up the entire complexities of the situation and it's the, the disengagement of the the person performing this operation from the actual political cause you know it's the kind of his his political apathy but being him he's willing to to for whatever mercenary reason to do this to people yeah uh, money probably just money he just wants to be paid. He doesn't really care. And like, isn't that, that's really dark as well. Like this person is injecting, is injecting people with a thing that will kill them. Like he's literally killing people. Or he's he or making she. dollars though. I mean, he's making dollars, exactly. <laughs> Which is all, all he really cares about. All they really care about. And I think that's really cool. And again, like the ability to sum that up in one sentence, it just was really like, that was really cool. Really, really mm-hmm. cool. There's one, I have a criticism. Okay. The use of the word wizard. It doesn't sit well for you. It doesn't sit well for me, yeah. Lots of people as well also had this idea of wizards. I think it's because I use the word mage quite a lot. And yeah, there's so I kind of I don't know. I'd like it to be more to be more kind of futury. Wizard kind of implies Gandalf. I, I, I see what you mean, but um I I could happily put that down to a, a sort of a quirk of that particular speaker or a deliberate irony. Oh, that's true. But it's very, it's very earth-based, do you know? I'm not saying you'd need to... No. (laughs) I don't know what you mean. It just, it reminds me of, of stories from this planet. It reminds me of, yeah, Lord of the Rings and things like that. It's just a word that smacks of, that smacks of not being on a different planet. Do you know what I mean? I don't know any stories from other planets, personally. (laughs) No, do you know what I mean, though? I know what you mean. It's such a Terran term. It's like... Uh, like if you're if you're watching like a sci-fi film let's say and someone says hey high five and you're kind of like, and they're on a different planet you're kind of like but no no hang on high five is a like it's a terran thing like that that likely won't cross over to other worlds you know what i mean no <laughs> i guess it, it, <laughs> i see what you mean it doesn't strike me that way really I okay not- new life goal new life goal what is it to be the first person to high-five on Mars. <laughs> uh, a, a quick digression. If you could, would you go to Mars tomorrow? Forever. Uh, yeah, that's the, the deal is that you go and it's a one-way journey. Uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm kind of like, it's really cool and all, but like that's, you wouldn't sign up for something like that if it didn't have the word Mars in it. 
So why sign up for something like that just because it has the word Mars in it? I I think that's that's ridiculous. I'd much rather wait until it's safe. And do you want to go to Ceres for the rest of your life? That would be miserable. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's and it's not like Mars is like like wonderful compared to Ceres. They're all like hunks of dead rock, icy dead rock, and it's kind of like no, this is not pleasurable. Like I get that well, there's there might the, be life on Mars. Yeah like microbial bacterial life like it's not it's not going to be like life as in like podcast listeners do you know what i mean like you, you, can't, you can't go make a podcast and have people listen to it you edgar you're so business focused i am i just edgar incorporated but i i, I genuinely really like every eric story same yeah it's really cool and the best thing is that this isn't the best of his work he has produced with regards to dagger the best of his work is actually too long to read out on on the show, but it will be on his site when this the story goes live. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so I would highly recommend, I'll leave links in the show notes, highly recommend people to check it out. This story has, actually, I don't want to say anything. It's It should it should tug at the old heartstrings. It's, <laughs> it's very, very, very cool. Uh, you had a read of it, Bill, yeah? I did, yeah. What did you think? What do you think of that moment? It was good, yeah. It was good. It was it was well paced. It was well well structured. Um, it was believable. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give it away. But I, yeah, yeah. This, I was, go on. This first story, the one you read out, can mm. can I just uh, say something that reminds me of? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Do you know a uh, a writer called China Mievel? Oh, I'm sure I've mentioned him before. Yeah, oh, we talked at length about him before on a recent podcast or on a previous podcast. Yeah. Um, he has a short story. I think it's called just called Jack. Okay. Um, I'm just going to Google it real quick. Yep. And it's quite similar. It's from. It's being narrated by uh, a character who worked with a famous a famous rebel in his setting in the Baslag setting. Okay. And it, it's it's very it's it's kind of like the the one you read out in that it's it's one person directly addressing the audience as a like kind of one on one. Um, and there's a very good twist in it. Ooh, is this yeah. is this this probably isn't public domain? You have to buy this. I yeah, I wouldn't say it might be available online. I don't know. It's in the short story collection. Looking for Jack. Okay, cool. Ugh, I want to read it. <laughs> cool. I put I put links in the show notes and people can check it out. I, I actually have an additional point on the first story which I forgot to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric mentions that the. You get the X put in you via a needle to your femur. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what would be the most body horror bone to choose to inject into? Because a femur seems kind of, and again, I don't want to criticize Eric at all. This is just a discussion point. A femur seems kind of like it's your leg. It's kind of like that's not. It doesn't like you don't feel like horrified by it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, whichever vertebrae are between oh. the shoulder blades. Yeah. I was thinking I was thinking collarbone because it's very close to the neck and again because I think visually like a film you'd imagine someone strapped to a chair and then like right pressed up against their face in a way is this big massive injection a, a big massive needle. Mm. But the vertebrae is good. I like the cheekbone. Oh yeah, far. Although there's not marrow in, in your skull. I yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, but like you, I sp- could, you suppose you could hand wave that, um, just f- just for the sake of horror. 
But like, really, do you only get it from one injection? Is injecting into one femur enough? Maybe he's only talking about that's the first injection that will hurt. Oh, maybe it's like a process. Yeah, maybe yeah, there's like... Presumably you have to get injected all over, because otherwise you just have a magic leg. A <laughs> magic leg! The rest of you, boring old regular person. Oh, no, because uh, in when I first outlined this, uh, I think I said something like, the cells that are produced in the marrow spread all over your body. So you do oh, okay. actually need just one entry point and then it infuses with the cells there and then they go everywhere. Well, maybe, yeah. Well, then you can probably do it wherever. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I mean. But I, Oh, I want, sorry, I see, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I, I want the most body body horror thing. I, the vertebrae is good. The vertebrae Although, is again, good. I, don't, I don't know if your vertebrae have marrow in them because they're too busy being full of spinal cord. Yeah, but again, you could hand wave that because like most people won't go, well, hang on, that bone may or may not have marrow in it. They might be like, oh, no. it's going into the bone. I couldn't. No. You couldn't? <laughs> There's no marrow there. So you're, you're just like, oh, I may as well inject it into my nose. <laughs> it's no different. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I don't think many people actually think about that. Like, I, I wouldn't, I would never, I would always associate any bone with having marrow in it. Like, I don't know that much about bones. Most people don't know what's that much about bones. Doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, so we need, we need a location in the body that has, who, uh, whose bones have marrow, but is in a really, like, disconcerting place. That's our mission for next, next month, Bill. I'd say the collarbone probably has marrow in it. Let's Google it. <laughs> the Do joy at which you say that. bones have marrow. Let's Google it. <laughs> I don't sound like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, you do, man. You know, when you listen to your own voice, it, you... The um, collarbone has no medullary cavity like other long bones. Oh. Oh, so it's only going to be injected into long bones. Um. Yeah, apparently, yeah, I... Collarbone doesn't have any marrow in it. Hmm. Uh, but mm, it looks like the finger bones might finger bones might have uh the, the phalanges. Do phalanges have marrow? Let's find out. Let's find Anatomy out. Anatomy with artifacts <laughs> I think that would be pretty cool if they did. I can't I can't I can't get a quick answer, so I am um, you think it'd be pretty cool in fingers to inject into the fingers? Yeah, if they get like like ten injections, one on each finger. Ooh, that'd be quite body horror for me, anyway. Yeah, and I suppose like fingers are such an important part of the body. Do you know? Like yeah. you can you can easily conceal horrifying wounds fingers. on your leg. Well, yeah, I know wear gloves and things like that, they but put like them in your pocket. What? Put them in your pocket. <laughs> Yeah, but you know the way when you take your, you know when you take your hand out to like do stuff, and you know the way you yeah. can't wear gloves when you're doing stuff because it's like it it decreases the dexterity of your fingers. Like eventually, someone's going to see all the marks and wounds. Yeah. Um, whereas, like I don't know about you, Bill, but I rarely ever go through public streets not wearing pants. Almost never. Yeah, and I realize in some countries where you get sunshine, you can wear shorts, but it's not a thing that happens here. So I mean. <laughs> But yeah, so fingers is good. I'll look into it as well and see see what I can come up with. Nothing wrong with femur. And again, I'm not criticizing Eric's stories. My intention is never to criticize people who make stuff, but rather to use it as a uh, springboard to talk yeah. about things. Yeah? Sure. And as I said, maybe that's just where that particular mm. um, surgeon does his, his injection. There's, there's lots of options. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. So that is Story Corner. <laughs> 
<laughs> keep your stories coming in guys seriously the, the the creation of stories is amazing and we will we will certainly and we really appreciate it yeah definitely because they take time they really do so thanks Wayne. remember like submit works like we'll, we'll totally read them out on air keep them short the shorter the better because mm-hmm. we can't really read out a 10 minute long uh short story so yeah uh thanks to eric as well and check out his stuff okay so bill edgar shall we move on to Fly corner. Yes, please. <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> okay, so I have. Let me send you a link. Uh, where are you sending it to me? Um, we'll do it over Skype. Cool. Okay. Okay, so what I'm sending you here is. Oh Jesus! <laughs> what I'm. Oh, I sent to the wrong one. Crap. Oh wow. <laughs> Damn, I was meant to... Hold on, are these two separate things? Wait a minute. Oh no, okay, never mind, it's the same link. (laughs) Okay, so we are off to Morocco, I believe, today. Okay. We're we're off to a county or something like that called Fez Boulamain, I believe, something I can't pronounce it correctly. Uh, And Fez Boulamain has a a not-so-good flag. And I thought we'd talk about it. Wow. I'll <laughs> so, say. <laughs> I'll say. Uh, so, the have you got the seal open? Can you see the seal? I have the seal and the flag and the Wikipedia article. Okay. So, uh, I, I want to talk about the seal first. Just so mm-hmm. we can ramp up in comedic intensity. So, the seal, guys, is a... Well, how would you describe that shape? Is there a name for that shape, Bill? Um... Hmm, I don't know. Hmm, okay, so it's a rectangle with an inverted... No, a rectangle with a semicircle on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, okay, anyhow. Um, so the background colour is a sort of light green, and then going diagonally across the seal is a blue strip. In the top right-hand corner, we have hand-drawn MS Paint-style mountains. And in the bottom left-hand corner, we also have a somewhat hand-drawn outline. Uh, they're not okay. They're not MS Paint. They, they uh, look like they've been done with a pen. Okay, I'm sorry. Someone has used a Wacom tablet with MS Paint. <laughs> but and then the bottom, the bottom left, we have a horse rearing up on its hind legs, uh, and the, it's only an outline of the horse, and it's a red outline. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's what's called rampant. Uh, a horse rearing up. Yeah. Oh, really? A rampant horse, or like like in heraldry, that's called rampant. That 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 oh, pose. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Now I'm not a see. I'm not a big as big a heraldry nut as I am flag nut. Yeah. So so yeah so we have a rampant some mountains a diagonal blue line and pale green backing. In mm. and of itself, this seal is awful. Right? Can, can I can I actually just ask? Yes. If, any, if we do have any heraldry heads on the um, on the sub or uh, on the listenership, would they give us what like a proper heraldic description of this shield would be? Yeah, totally. Those descriptions can get really trippy. They're always really, really interesting. Yeah. All the technical terms. So that's something I would definitely be interested in. So anyhow, this seal is not good, right? It's not a, not a good seal. And then they were like, "Oh, a flag. We can do more with a flag." <laughs> Not bad enough. <laughs> so, so this this flag is, oh god. Okay, so we have a 
green rectangle, right? Yeah. Going through the diagonal from the top left to the bottom right, we have a wavy blue river. I'm assuming it's a river. Yeah, you assume so. Yeah. On the bottom left corner, we have our rampant, same rampant as before. We have... A horse rampant. A horse rampant. Sorry, I don't know the terminology. A horse rampant. Anything can be rampant. You can have like a rampant hippo or... Oh! Oh my god, really? Anything? Ooh. Don't say why not. Like a rampant rock. (laughs) Well, no, like animals. (laughs) Now you're being silly, Edgar. (laughs) Silliness is not allowed in fly corner. So, So, to the right of the rampant horse, we have like a honeycomb pattern. Yeah, yeah I suppose that's what it is, yeah. Three hexacons, and we have, uh, on this, we have, like, a shine on them. They have a shine on them. Mm-hmm. And then to the left of the horse, we have two cherries that also have a very fine gradient on them and a shine. It is a very fine gradient. What it's a very... Ver- gradient. And f- gradients on flags are, are just... They're just death to everything. Like, imagine trying to, like, in the old days, stitch it. Like, it's not... Like, what? Why? Like, but they have any out? They have a gradient to break a one more flag rule. Now in the top right we have a sun. <laughs> we have we have a sun. Okay, so the best way to describe this is that someone has drawn a yellow circle and given it like a red stroke, a fine red stroke. Okay. Yeah, fine red outline. Fine red outline. And then what they've done is they've put rays coming out of the sun, but they've forgotten to give the rays the same outline. So you end up with like a dashed stroke around the sun and then unoutlined rays. And the rays also really awkwardly touch the river. Oh, it's just a nightmare. Like like they're not really at consistent angles. They're not not like properly coming from the center of the circle. (laughs) No, and they're, they're not all at the same angle from each other. <laughs> they're awful. Like that, that sun in and of itself is terrible. <laughs> so moving on from the sun, we have a giant version of the hand-drawn mountains from before. Yeah. Um, and as is so often the case, bigger is not better. Uh, this is not. <laughs> this hasn't improved it at all. <laughs> and then we have below the mountains, we have some fields. I assume. I assume they're fields, uh, and one is has a like a crop formation going in horizontals in a way, and the other one has a crop formation going in verticals. You know, a bit of variation mm-hmm. in the fields. Then below that we have a building. Now, a mosque. Oh, it probably is a mosque. Yeah. Okay, let's let's assume it's a mosque. Sorry, uh, I I had part of the the Skype bo- box over the um the top of the minaret and I, I, I look like a smokestack but yeah I, I think it's <laughs> it a factory but yeah it looks like it is a mosque so we have a mosque that is like this this really weird orangey colour with a green roof and the best thing about it and I'm pretty sure this is not the actual way mosques are built is that the door consists of an orange door frame and then we have a superimposed like stylistic door over the door but they fail to like take out the the door behind it. Do you see that? That's that's not my favorite part. <laughs> that, what's what's your favorite part? Okay, it's it's a toss up of two things. <laughs> okay, that there's there's actually like scales or like tiles on the roof. Oh yeah, in tiny minute detail, very, and they're and they're grey. Very very faintly, and also if you look, see there's there's a the bit to the left. 
the the orange wall has yeah. those like crenellations. Yeah, yeah. They're not evenly spaced. They're not evenly spaced. <laughs> There's a little gap at the left hand side. There's a little bit of wall below, like the bottom part of, of the crenellation, and then at the bottom at the base, it doesn't match up with the base of the rest of the building. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even notice that. That's hilarious. So. <laughs> oh it's so good so this is like it's a train like actually i think the defining theme of this is things don't match up or or match too closely so like like you pointed out there everything doesn't match and also now that i see it the scales on the roof also outline overlap the outline of the roof Yes, they do. Yeah, they, they, they go into the, the thick black bar that counts as the outline of the roof. Oh, bad! And then the greed from the roof spills into the outline from the building. Yeah. Oh, that's some detail there. And then, so like we mentioned before, the sun, the sun like touches the river in a really awkward way. Yeah. The horse is like effectively headbutting the river. Yeah, everything's too close together. <laughs> it's just so crap. Can, can I point out one thing? Now, th- this is probably... I, I don't know, maybe this doesn't count as an entirely valid criticism, but it's, it's amusing once you notice it, I think. Okay, right, go for it. So you see the honeycomb and the cherry. I, I do, yes. And they have the shine on them. Oh, I know where you're going. The shine is like a completely different location, or a completely different direction to the location of the sun on the flag, so it's reflecting some other source of light. <laughs> Uh, which you may see you may say is probably being like a little a little bit um overly critical but i I, I think that probably illustrates why you don't include things like shines and reflections on this kind of design that's very true yeah they uh there is an off-screen sun somewhere yeah (laughs) it's just it's just it's just so bad and then like things like like red on green red on green if you don't do it right like hurts hurts your eyes it's just it's just not good and also if you look at the wikipedia page they also have some terrible variations there's one here that has the same rampant horse outline now black but then the left half is blue and then the right half is like what i would describe as being brown Excellent. <laughs> it's just that's just not nice colors. It's really bad. And then you have Sefru Province, which takes the minimalist approach here and just has the cherries and the honeycomb, and it's like, oh. <laughs> so it's like the main flag is like a master flag of all the designs possible, of all the smaller subdivisions, and people pick and choose at will from it. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, I quite like that idea from sort of a postmodern point of view that you've got. Like a, a variety of of things, the flag isn't a single specified modernist conception. We've accepted the the futility of of life and the inevitable heat death of the universe. So you know, what does it matter if you use a different flag? Uh, it keeps some of the identifiable features. You know, it's it's um it's embracing how, how to put this. It's it's embracing the contingent nature of all human communication nothing has any inherent meaning everything is constructed <laughs> bill that's 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 true that is you're very you're very true but god it, was that ever an educated summation of what went on here like <laughs> bill bill bill's next academic work is going to be a in-depth study of the flag of fez Boulemain and it's linking to the heat death of the universe flag semiotics and and contemporary nihilism 
Uh, I think, Bill, I think we have a title. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love, I always, I always try and uh, fix the title of a show whilst recording. So I love listening out and, and like having something or hearing something. I'm like, yes, snappy title. That right there is a great <laughs> title because it is not snappy. <laughs> okay. So shall we, shall we move on? Yeah. Let's move on to, I suppose, what could be just like seen as the main topic. But this this show doesn't have a main topic at this stage. This is just yeah. yeah I mean, look, we're we're an, we're an hour deep, so <laughs> I think any any pretense of of having a single main topic has, has been long abandoned. Yeah, <laughs> we're just talking. It's fine because all communication is meaningless, <laughs> and the universe is dying a slow and painful death thanks to the flag of Fez Boulamain. No, no, Edgar, that's. <laughs> God, this is the, the life of an academic. <laughs> people mis- people misinterpreting your fancy words, man. Journalists, uh, journalists willfully misinterpreting everything I say just to get headlines. Do you know what? Do you know what's uh, what's an interesting development in my life? Is that no. I I have kind of become a quasi journalist in a way uh, because of this podcast. Yeah. Um, and I am. Because I care about education and I care about ec- academia and that, I it's a really interesting conflict um, playing the role of a journalist and and being aware that that those like shortcomings in the profession exist and trying not to hit on them. What 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 do you mean by qualify the thing about you being a journalist? Is that like you're trying to get at um, traffic to the, the stuff you're creating the way that like you want a magazine editor would or oh no 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 uh, more like trying to reach out to experts and interview and talk to them on their topic oh i see yeah, and that's where mean. that's where you get an awful lot of the like the journalist does not understand the nature of the topic and misrepresents it and all that yeah and it's a really interesting thing you know to try and deal with because I, the last thing i want to do is misrepresent people Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's very, very interesting. It also has become apparent to me that it's very easy to be an ethical journalist. Very easy. Yeah, it is quite easy. Like you just need to abandon a few tenets and just, and you're fine. I, I don't want to get into it really, but it makes me feel like the, the the journalists that aren't ethical and just you know write slanderous sort of things, like they're almost willfully doing it. Do you know, like it's it's like they know that this is not correct or not ethical, and they're just they're just doing it for the sake of views and hits and sales. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a fascinating world, and the, the more I continue to look into it, the more interesting it gets, and the the more I do not appreciate the vast vast majority of journalists and reporters. But there you go. Gonna get a gonna get a hit put out, you know. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, by the newspaper guild. <laughs> so we had probably the most exciting bit of news and bit of um listener created stuff was the creation of a proto alphabet for the Artifexian conline. Oh yeah. Yeah, did you see this? The uh YouTube video. The YouTube video, yes. And yes, the, I certainly did. And the Deviant Art page where it's laid out in, in chart form. I might actually send you that p- chart because that would be easier to talk about than the YouTube video. Cool. But uh, cool. this was made by... Uh, now, he calls himself the the Sarcastic Canadian. The Sarcastic Canadian. Th- that's it. But it's kind of spelled the Sarcastic Canadian, except he's misspelled the the. 
Yeah, I, as, I, yeah. So I'm going as to is common on the internet, as is common. So I am going to just I'm going to just refer to them for the sake of convenience as the sarcastic Canadian. Is that okay? Yeah, okay? uh, you you slash the sarcastic Canadian made this this beautiful creation. So let me send it to you here. Cool. Okay. So have a quick read of it there, hmm? man. Uh, have a glance through and see what you think about it. And again, we're not going to criticize. It's important. We're just going to use it as a springboard for for uh, top uh, debates. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, give it a quick read there. Okay, so first thing, Bill, I'd like to ask you is what do you think of the morphology here? What do you think of the shapes of the letters? I quite like them. Mm-hmm. Any any uh, pros, cons? Oh, and FYI for the listener, as always, it's going to be in the show notes. You can you can check it out. We will link to the Sarcastic Canadians DeviantArt on YouTube and you check out its stuff. It's awesome. Pros and cons. To my eyes, a lot of them are quite similar and possibly could be very easily mistaken. But maybe that's just because it's it's an unfamiliar script, and I wouldn't you know I wouldn't necessarily think that about ones that are very similar in in Latin script. So it could mm. be a function of my unfamiliarity rather than anything else. I think that's something that you, uh, if you're writing scripts, you really have to wrestle with because yeah, yeah, like from the outside, I'm sure people who mm. view like B, Ds, Ps, and Qs will be kind of like, well, hang on, they're just a circle with a stick on them. Which one's which? Um, yeah. So there is always that thing. I don't find it that confusing, mainly because it's it's instructional. Yeah. So he 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 tries to. Oh yeah, no, I think the I think the way that this this graphic is laid out is is fine. But for example, if we look at the suggested symbols for n and s, they're quite similar. And if you imagine writing those at speed by hand, mm. it would be very easy to to confuse those two. Yeah, that that is true. That is very true. But again, you do you find these things in natural language as well. Yeah. So it's it's something really hard. And I've been, and we'll talk about this in a second. I've been coming up coming up with scripts based off of this proto alphabet, and you you mm-hmm. you encounter this problem the whole time. You're like, oh god, what's going to happen when people write this at speed? Yeah. I think overall, it's got a really nice feel to it. What 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 he's done here, it's got a nice consistent feel. Uh, it looks like it's of the same place, which is nice. Which I really enjoy. Yes. What do you think of the method of constructing syllables? Um, yeah, I like it. Do you, do you notice any down points, any flaws in the system? And again, not to criticize, this is, you know, just a discussion. To a first approximation, obviously. Uh, nothing, nothing sticks out, no. Okay, so Immediately. I, I looked at this and I was like, awesome, this is cool. And I began investigating it. And I think... The sarcastic Canadian has done a great job, but the, I think the problem is the size of my syllable. So my syllable can have at maximum two consonants, two vowels, and then two consonants if you include diphthongs right. in the middle. Yeah. So, and there's no example here where you have an initial consonant cluster and a final consonant cluster and how that would work. Right. So we, we have saying Callum Hoskins. We don't have something. We don't have what clam would be like. Yeah, we don't How you have get what... the K and the L above the above the vowel. Or even even worse still, what would happen if you had to have a word like clamp, where you have K L as an initial yeah. cluster, A and O as ow, and then M and P as mp at the end. Yeah. Like, cause then, and I, I was, I was like, oh, that's fine. I'll just do some uh, extrapolating on this in my own work. And oh my god, the rabbit hole opened. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's constructing uh, syllabaries like this, or I think they're called abigudas. I can't remember the word for them. Uh, it's really difficult. It's really, really difficult. So I think what he's done here is awesome because I was going nowhere. So speaking of that, can I talk to you about my own script writing? Sure. So I have a updated version of the stuff I sent you earlier in the week, which I am now going to send to you. Yes, I see it now. Um... Okay, so so I just sent Bill the script there. And Bill, can I get your initial thoughts? And this is based off the work of the, the Sarcastic Canadian. Okay, so it's the script is in part based on where things are articulated in the mouth, and we can see that with m, n, n, except you're looking to the left rather than the right. Yeah. P, t, k, r, f, v, If it's slanted, it's voiced. If it's boxed, it's unvoiced. Oh, no, um, M, M is, is still voice, never mind. It is only, the slanted thing is only there to distinguish F and V. Okay. V, S, oh, links v. in the show notes, by the way, guys. Uh, that that X is IPAX, I assume, so it's K. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. That, that that's K. the IPAX, yeah. K. What's the capital B again? Bruh. 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 Yeah. And then the sigma is pronounced like R, I guess. Yeah. Or is it kind of, is it a throat again? It's, it's or the throat. It? It's the rau. Yeah, rau, yeah. Rau. Uh, lowercase or is just or. Rr. Yeah. J, l. Okay, uh, j, j is y. Okay. R, y, l. R, 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 y, l. Y, y, l. Okay. What's the W with it with a dot under it? Uh, so it's W, but without saying W, so it's H. So it's huh. like an aspirated W. Yeah, yeah, think for like that. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Okay. What do we think? I think I quite like it. Yeah. Do you what? What do you think about the confusion between letters? Is that something that still strikes you as as a, a problem? No, I don't think it does. Okay. Um, right. What do you think? Not, of the, what do you think of the vowels? I'm not keen on the vowels so much. <laughs> Can you see why I did the vowels like that by any chance? Because again, the whole no, point. I cannot. Okay, so the whole point of this is to try and give an instructional diagram to people to see to to have them know where to pronounce the sound. Yeah. So e, the i symbol there. If yeah. you look at the IPA, that is at the top of the sort of vowel quadrilateral. Okay. And then A is the bottom of the vowel quadrilateral. Now, O is kind of in the middle at the back, but I just shoved it up to the top there. Yeah. And then O is a, a spot in the middle, but I shoved it down the bottom. So in a way, I was trying to replicate the the vowel space. But you're mm. right. I don't like the look of them. Uh, that feels unnatural to me. Yeah, yeah, but is that a bad thing in a script? Like, does it have to be? like? No, it, 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 I, I, I just... I mean, th- this would make me question: Where is the script coming from? What, like, what's the the in-universe story of how the script arose? Cause that makes it feel quite, quite artificial. What about like that, uh, and that you would require the fairly arbitrary outlaying of the IPA vowel chart to make sense of it? 
Yeah, yeah. Now, remember, I'm trying to balance the whole issue of getting people to be able to read it. Yeah. Uh, with the, obviously it being naturalistic, but like you could always just go down the Sage on the Great route and be like, some dude came up with it. So there's yeah. no need. There's no need for natural elements. Some dude was like, I want a, and this is effectively what I'm doing: try and have a really convenient way of passing on linguistic information. Do you know what I mean? So you just come up with it. It is completely unnatural, but that's a conceit that you're willing to go with. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. That's not the kind of the naturality I'm talking about. It's just that that, like, that requires reference to the IPA for it to make sense in you. Like, and and that would put me off in universe. That's yeah. kind of what I mean by it would feel artificial. No, that no, that is true. That is true. Yeah. But but again, if you're doing a functional thing, you have to reference the IPA in a way. Eh. I don't think so. Well, because what again? Not in, not in the script itself. You could just have a, a translation thing, because like people, I can think of billions and billions of examples of where people have learned how to read scripts without referring to the IPA. Yeah, yeah, I know. But the I yeah that that's very true. But the IPA, given where I am making this language, like on online in a sort of quasi linguistic sort of space. The IPA is a really good tool to pass on this information. It's right. not such a good tool when, uh, in terms of like naturalistic languages because no one knows about the IPA and it's a construct. But given the space I'm operating in, I think that's a good construct to go on. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying it's perfect. In fact, I really dislike no. those vowels. Those vowels don't look good at all. Like their functionality is fine, but just the look of them is crap. That is something I need to work on. But, and it's something I wanted to bring up because I wanted to be like, yeah. hey, hey, listeners, you don't know why you're smarter than me. Do you, do, do you want to maybe do some creative stuff and then like I can reward you by putting you on the podcast next time? <laughs> how can, okay, so how can we distinguish, how can we make vowels look different from consonants? I, another thought was to go with more like geometric looking shapes. Yeah. Like to, like I could abandon the circles in ha and hua. Yeah. And have them for vowels. I could do that. Yeah. Or you could have something like, um, turn it into a, a little diacritic. Bill, that is that is exactly what I was going to do. That is exactly what I was going to do. It was another thought. Let me just, hold on now. This is, this is going to be a nightmare to edit. I'm going to send you another photo, okay? Okay, look. While you're doing that, can I say a third thing? Oh, yeah, of course. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, because I'm going to have to take thing. pictures. Yep. Um, as well as that, you could, um, you could make it like... A, a separate character after itself, like a little apostrophe. There's lots of small characters and that you could base it on the placement. So a high one or a low one. So there's two dimensions there and could be the st- the direction of the stroke. So a high ticking up and a high ticking down and a low ticking up and a low ticking down. And that way you've got four vowels and a very, very small character. Uh, remember also there's the problem of making them into diphthongs as well. So that's two vowel sounds combined. Okay, so I just sent you a quick idea for how we might do these vowels. Did you receive it? I did. What do you think? I didn't really get a clear understanding of what what it meant. Yeah, so we have the base letter, okay, which is the horizontal line and then the sort of square-looking thing. Yeah, that's... uh... Mm. Mm, Yeah, yeah. exactly. And Mm. then the upper diacritic, the upper slash, could mean, say, a vowel... The yeah. the right hand dot could be another vowel, and then the lower dot could be another vowel again. This isn't obviously a character. This is just like all the options. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes a bit more sense. So we, we could do something like that. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. That might be a little bit neater. But again, when you get into the realms of diacritics, like, then you really, like, then you really start coming up against confusion because it's kind of like, well, what's the difference between an up, an upward going, like, diacritic and a downward going diacritic, you know? So it's interesting. It's an interesting problem. I thought, since there's four vowels, right? Mm-hmm. There's E, A, O, and U. Uh, then it's very easy to, to come up with, like, four places to put... Uh, a little tick or a little apostrophe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would make more sense to have them afterwards than before, assuming like reading from left to right rather than from right to left. It, even if you put them afterwards, you could have a high, let's say a high apostrophe ticking upwards, a high apostrophe ticking downwards, a low apostrophe, so like a comma if you want, mm-hmm. ticking upwards and a low apostrophe ticking downwards. And yep. that's for using the the same character, just in two different locations and two different directions. What about diphthongs, then? Both characters. Okay, so how would you distinguish between I and Ia? So I going to A, or E going to A, and A going to E. The order in which they're placed there. Yeah, but if you're, if you're ordering them vertically, there's no way of distinguishing. Well, then have one slightly afterwards. Okay, so... All right, okay, yeah. So effectively what we're doing is we're mimicking the vowel space around the character. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I might do that. And that actually would help free up space in terms of writing out the syllable. Um, because I had a, uh, I had a plan. Uh, you know the Texas flag? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you imagine the, the blue section of the Texas flag. Okay. That would be the onset of the syllable. Okay. Yeah. And it could contain at maximum two consonants ordered vertically going top to top to bottom. Okay. And then the white section of the Texas flag could contain at maximum the two vowels and nucleus going left to right. Okay. And then the red section would contain the two the two uh coda consonants going left to right again. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, f- Putting vowels around the consonants with diacritic marks would free up a lot of space, I think. That might actually be a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. So I will post my uh, my thoughts or my elaboration on what the Sarcastic Canadian has done uh, in the show notes. And uh, please, people, criticize it. <laughs> Let me know what's wrong. Tell me what's wrong. And I'm hoping to put out a script, an alphabet or an uh, abiguda, whatever it's called, video sometime soon. Sweet. Yeah. Anything else to add on that? I have a question. You do. What is your question, sir? So, are you going to you going to use this um the the same order as suggested by Tessacasic Canadian uh, when coming up with how to list things in in this language in this script? What do you mean order? Like alphabetical order. Oh, like have oh, you what? thought about that? How how information will be will be kind of organized? Mm, I have not thought about that. I've been purely going off IPA. So for me, when I've when I've been doing this, like M is the first letter, and then N, and then Nga. Yeah. Um, I haven't put any thought into that. Why do you have any con- uh, thoughts about alphabetical order? I feel like I feel like you want to rant slightly on it. Do you? <laughs> no, not, not not even rant. Um, but. Like even even by saying you're going mm and mm, 
you've made the decision to read horizontally over vertically. You have to, to read it mm. row by row over column by column. So there's, there's yeah. been yeah. some kind of decision has been made there. Yeah, I wouldn't say a conscious decision, but yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's something I, I've been thinking about a bit recently. Um, how do... How is this done in non-Latin languages? And even actually in Latin languages, because... And I don't know what the answer to this is, but because Icelandic has, what is it, 28 characters rather than 26? Okay. And I, I don't know if that even... Maybe it has more if you include the kind of the various vowels with diacritics. I don't know where they go in, in the Icelandic alphabet. You don't understand the order, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know wh- at what point. Where do you place Thorn? Does it come after Z or is it near T? And then I assume that there's some kind of similar, uh, or at least um, analogous way of ordering the the characters in the Hebrew and Arabic scripts. Yeah, there. I would imagine there would be because you have to teach this to people, so you're gonna have to order yeah. it at some stage. But I was came across independently of of all this uh, with a, just a discussion with someone else uh, how it's done in Japanese. Okay. For I th- I think just for the Hiranga syllabary. Okay. I, I I don't know a lot about about Japanese. I can't remember exactly how it's all um, organized. But yes, in in Hiranga. So there's a poem called Iroha. Okay. Which is from at least 1079, if not earlier. And it's a poem that uses each syllable from the Hiranga syllabary once, and once only. And so this has become the traditional way of ordering, you know, like an, an, an analogous to alphabetical ordering. Oh, that, wow. Yeah, they use, refer to where it falls in this poem as to whether it's the first or second or whatever, whatever position it takes in the traditional order of, of syllables. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, how does yeah. that compare with how we made alphabetical, uh, alphabetical order? Do we know how we how our alphabetical order came about? You know, that is a very good question. Shall we Google it? Let's. <laughs> I know, like, ultimately, ours are kind of from various sort of Middle Eastern sources. Like, I think they're or maybe Near East Phoenician or something it is the source of a lot of the, the Latin script. But, uh, yeah, why it's in that order is a good question. It's derived from the Northwest Semitic Abgad, which is what established... Um, yeah, there's no real... doesn't really say here. It's unknown whether the earliest alphabets had a defined sequence. Yeah, uh, two questions sprung to mind. One is, is alphabetical order in general just arbitrary? And the second one is, is there actually a need for it? What do you mean by arbitrary? Like, as in, so, there's no... It just happened. It's just any old order. There's no need for it to be in any particular order. Like, yeah. like if we change... If we, instead of going A, B, C, go B, A, C, that doesn't change English. No, not at all. You know, so um, part of me, because of my minimalist tendencies when it comes to conlang, will just be like, there is no alphabetical order. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care about that because it's one less thing to think about. And ultimately, it doesn't really make that much of a difference on how it's pronounced, you know? It doesn't at all, but it's, it's very useful for, like, anything outside just immediately speaking the language, like organizing. Yeah. No, that's true. That, that yeah. is true, yeah. Um... What would you think if you were making your own conlang? Have you ever made a conlang, by the way? I haven't, no, but I have thought about this. I thought about this a good while ago, actually. Okay, um, and what, what, what would your leanings be? Would you do alphabetical? 
Would you not? If so, I, what order? I wouldn't. Well, I wasn't thinking of it in, in, in terms of exactly um, from an organisational point of view. I, I, I was thinking of it in terms of how how would, like, I don't know, so, someone on some world-building site somewhere uh, had a thing about what's, what's the alphabet song for your language or something like that. Mm. And I thought that I wouldn't kind of approach it that way. But I'd actually like to have something more like a tongue twister. Oh. Which would be a, a poem or a song where the phonemes you use get gradually more complex are ones that you would learn later in the process of learning speech. So it would begin with very simple vowels, um, just, you know, ah, bagada, the things that mm. like, you can say with very simple motions. And as you progress, it gets harder to say and you've got more complex uh consonants to to deal with at the end like what's because because i read i remember reading years ago that there's um i think in czech one of the vowel or one of the consonants uh, children don't generally master it until they're like eight years old oh that's probably that weird or yeah it's um the raised alveolar non-sonorant trill yeah that thing is that uh, i know knew someone whose second name began with that and it's just just nope Nope, can't do it. It's really, really difficult. Yeah, and apparently I heard that too. It takes a while to master it. I mean, speak like when you actually hear Czech people say it kind of quickly, it just sounds like an SH to my ear. SH? Yeah. Oh. Because it's, it's ra, or it's kind of ra. So when you say it quickly, like I went to a place called Yaramir. Yeah, yeah. So it but, just sounds uh, like Yaramish to me. Yeah, yeah, but, but people who speak the language would be like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> I know, but yeah, what I'm saying is that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I thought that would be kind of an interesting way of doing it, that the order you have them in is, like, this isn't intended to be, this is how you learn the alphabet or anything, it's just, it's it's a, it's a sort of a poem or a tongue twister that gets gradually more difficult, and the manner in which it gets more difficult reflects the process of learning new consonants, yeah, uh, or learning new phonemes, and you could use that to be a similar kind of, a similar kind of um, effect. That's interesting. The sarcastic Canadian, he recorded an alphabet song yes. for this language. And, and I haven't listened to it or watched it in a couple of days. But as far as I remember, he starts off with all vowels. And as far as I remember, things like the glottal stop, which is kind of a, a weird, not, not necessarily hard, but a weird sound, is towards the end. So I wonder, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him on air, I wonder what he was thinking about it like it it seems like he may have been thinking the same thing like start easy and get more complex possibly yeah it'd be interesting to see so will you let us know the sarcastic canadian <laughs> yeah i i know the more you talk about it, the more i'm kind of like i'm not gonna really bother with it it just yeah it doesn't seem that important to me and, and the idea of listing things is great and all but i don't think i'll ever have a need to list stuff in my language do you know Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, now that I think about it, you probably want to create some sort of lexicon that has an order to it, and not English right. alphabetical order, but rather alphabetical order of your conlang. For the for the purposes of making a conlang, you'd want to do that, yeah. Yeah, for the purpose of word word creation. So maybe it is something I have to look into. Mm-hmm. Huh? There you go. Yeah, there's something to think about for next time. This is not something I've talked about at all. Perhaps or you could do would... it as a sort of by by topic. Do it as a phrase book. And do it by topic mm. rather than having to do it that way. 
you could, yeah, that makes sense as well. Yeah, that's and actually doing it by topic is an interesting idea because you can really easily morph words that have similar things. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I don't know, the word for castle and tower could be quite similar and be easy for you to spot that if in your like in your Excel sheet you have yeah. like kind of those sort of like structures is all in one doc. You know, mm-hmm. um, but that's interesting. I'll get back to you on that bill. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do about this alphabetical order. And listeners, listeners, let, let us know. Give us your thoughts mm-hmm. on, on alphabets, uh, on syllabaries. Let us know what you think of my my first draft of the script. Let us know what you think about the, sarcosa, uh, the sarcastic Canadians' uh, work. And please, please, please check out his stuff. I'll link to all this in the show notes. Go show the guy some love. It'll be awesome. Excellent. Cool. Right, Bill, shall we, shall we move on to the green room? Let's move to the green room. Let's move to the oh, green room. Oh, wait, I, I had one more thing to say about ordering. Sugar, okay, that yep, I forgot yep. to mention. Go for it. Uh, we'll just say it now or you can edit it in if you want. Runes in Runes. older Germanic languages. And I, I, I think, um, you know, like Viking runes. And Elvish. I, I don't think Elvish had runes, dude. Yeah, no, one of the Elvish scripts definitely had runes. Really? Oh, now you make me doubt myself. I thought it was like dwarfs had runes. I seem to think the writing on the gates of Moria is runes, and Gandalf specifically says it's it's in an ancient Elvish. Okay, fair enough. I could be wrong, and this is the sort of thing the internet is definitely going to email me about. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm thinking of kind of the 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 real angular ones, like the Viking-looking ones. Yeah, man. Oh, I, I'm almost convinced that's that a part of Elvish is like that. Okay, cool. I'm well, almost- I'm sure there's, there's lots of ways to encode it actually. So I guess it's not. It's not. Uh, unheard of but they had rune poems okay and I don't know a lot about this I just someone mentioned it to me a while ago and so there was say there was um, it depended on which system some of them had 16 runes and some of them had like 26 runes and the poem was a riddle and the answer to the riddle was the name of the rune so there's 26 little riddles and the order of the runes was like whichever the first riddle was was that rune whichever the second riddle was was that rune and the name was never actually given you just had to figure it out from the from the riddle oh why what do you mean why just, just, I mean, just like an intellectual exercise I, I just like for the crack I guess I mean huh. it was just huh. I don't think there was any kind of deliberate p- pedagogical thought put into it it was just happened to be done that way and it became a huh. bit of a, a thing in the different languages that's interesting Mm. Wow. Where do you, how did you find out this stuff? Um, a lot of this this thought I've had recently was a friend of mine posted up on Facebook. was like, why do we have this alphabet order? Maybe there's another better order for the alphabet out there that we don't know about. Oh, and then you went down a Wikipedia rabbit being, hole. Being kind of silly. And no, there was a bit of a discussion in the comments. And I was like, I think about that a lot. Huh. Do, do you think there's a better alphabetical? Well, hang on. Hang on. How can you have a better alphabetical order? I don't think it was an, ent- an entirely serious suggestion. <laughs> okay, because I was just to be like, there's no such thing as better. It's all arbitrary. It's just arranged in whichever way you want. Like, I don't... Yeah, but maybe there's one that's, like, more, more interesting or, like, makes for a better song or... That's true. That's is true. easier is easier to remember or, you know... <gasps> so, just because it's arbitrary doesn't mean it can't be improved upon. The, the, so, sorry, sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt. There's a thing I want to say as well, actually. The, the Sarcastic Canadian, right? Yeah. So, in his Alphabet song, he includes the glottal stop and rightly so 
I just want to throw it out there for him in case he ever wants to like do a second draft of the proto alphabet. Here's uh, here's a thing I'd love to see. I'd love to see the glottal stop be in the song, but not a sound, and use it as like a rhythmic punctuation in the song. <laughs> so there's there's a silence, and especially if it was like the the final character in the song. So it's just like you're singing along, and it's implied that there is a final character, but just no one ever sings it. I think that's hilarious. We so good. Like A B C D. Hey, five characters. <laughs> Go fucking up. <ma. laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh. But not, not even, don't even make the choky sound. Like, because, like, I don't know. I don't know if the Gottle Stop actually has an inherent sound to it. I think it's just a cutting off of air. So it can only really manifest itself in between other sounds. So just have it that it's a rhythmic cut and you just make no sound. But, like, a teacher on the board would write it down anyways. I mean, I think you can have it as an initial. As an initial sound, yeah, yeah, but oh. remember, yeah, yeah, but like, but that's notoriously hard to pronounce in isolation, and I actually doubt that people do it consistently. When there's a word before it, then fine, because you're cutting off the airflow from the previous word. Do you know? Like a lot of Klingon words, I don't know if people actually pronounce them with a glottal stop in initial position. Hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm no linguist. I don't, I don't have a clue. But for me, it just, there's a dissonance there. There's a cognitive dissonance. I'm kind of like, wait, what? No, that doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm probably, I'm probably wrong. As, as I'm probably wrong about the Elvish. <laughs> Anyhow, shall we go to the green room? Let's go to the green room. Computers. Computers. I'm having computer problems. Oh no. I know. And I would like to get the Reddit's advice on what to do because I'm not that uh, computer savvy. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is that my MacBook Pro is kind of nearing the end of its life. Okay. Certainly near the end of its uh, sort of working life in the sense that it is not really fulfilling the stuff I need it to fulfill. Uh, it could go on living much longer. Like, it's, it's fine. Like, it's a functioning computer, but it doesn't... It's not hasn't got high enough specs to deal with the stuff I need to do. It can't edit videos and podcasts anymore. You could send it away to, you know, be looked after by a nice <laughs> family on a farm in the country, but... Yeah, we're all MacBooks... Uh, all MacBook Pros go, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, it's it, not that it can't edit video and podcasts. It's just becoming increasingly tedious, and uh, I'm a bit sick of dealing with the crashes. <laughs> so uh, really quickly what I want to do is I want to put out my system specs and I want to put out my requirements of a computer and I want I would like someone in the Reddit who is more tech savvy than me and of course you Bill to suggest stuff because I'm kind of finding it very difficult to come up Edgar, with Edgar I wouldn't have a clue <laughs> but you're like relatively tech savvy I know that technology breaks around you but you know about technology not really do you not would you class yourself as being tech savvy no. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Not really, no. Right. I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm, I, I get by, my needs are met, more or less, but... What is your criteria for being tech-savvy? Like, knowing what's going on in technology, like, being aware of, kind of, current standards and what's what's good and what isn't. I mean, I, 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 if I was to buy a new computer, I wouldn't have a clue, like what processors to get or anything oh, like that. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I'm sorry, Bill. You're not going to enjoy the rest of this conversation. It's going to be exactly that, talking about processors. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in for the ride, apparently. 
<laughs> okay, so uh, my current system specs, if I just if I can just call them up here, yeah, uh, are. Give me a second. I hope I can do this and it won't interrupt the audio. Oh, spinny wheel of death. You see. <laughs> good. That's uh, always good. Okay, so all right. Okay, so guys, my current MacBook Pro is a 2012 model MacBook Pro. It has a 2.5 Intel i5 processor. 4 gigs of memory and it's got a 1 terabyte hard drive. I think it's 5400 RPM. Okay? Does that mean anything to you, Bill? Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. At least you're not completely isolated in this conversation. So, no, I I know what all this stuff means. I just don't know anything about what's good. What's good? Yeah, you don't know, you don't know if those figures are good. No, I, I I do I know what they represent, but I wouldn't know like if I was to go buy a new computer and it gave me a load of different um like options for for what Intel processor I would know which is the fast one but I wouldn't know which is okay. a good one okay so those are my specs uh, yeah and what I need what I'm finding since I've upgraded my uh, workflow to full digital like I don't do the hand-drawn an- animations anymore I'm finding that like in the ideal world I need to run Photoshop Illustrator and Final Cut all at the one time with massive massive files right and my MacBook does not like that yeah uh, because like four gig of ram and things like that, it's just not it's not uh, good enough for it now the obvious thing here is to go to apple and disclaimer uh i'm an apple user so i'm sorry uh, i bet you android people are going to tell me or windows people are going to be like buy windows uh, i am fully integrated into the apple system and the switch over cost to go back to windows is too high so it's going to have to be Apple, and I'm really sorry. I don't want to come across as yet another Apple fanboy. So, as an yeah, exactly. Uh, so, like the obvious thing to do would be to just buy the best possible computer. Like that would be the obvious thing to do. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the problem is the the prices are ridiculous. Like the best possible computer for my needs, it comes in at about three thousand six hundred euro. Oh dear. Yeah. 3.6k is is like too much right so i would like to ask the tech people in the reddit what sort of specs should i be looking for in terms of processor ram and hard drive for sort of video editing slash graphic design needs because i kind of dabble in both worlds yeah okay lots of ram lots of ram yeah yeah. so uh the thing i've i've i know about is like minimum 16 gig Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm just going to get minimums. Because like, the thing is, you can future-proof a little bit there. Yeah. The more RAM, the better. Also, it, when it comes to processors, I, like you, actually, I don't really know which is better. Like, I look at... There's uh, Apple offer an i5 and an i7 processor mm-hmm. by, by Intel. And I can, uh, all I can think is that, well, hang on now, their i7s are usually quads, so four of them. That equals better. But then I don't know what the trade-off is for money, you know? Like, is is an i7 processor or four i7 processors that much better than two i5 processors? Or what sort of gigahertz and all that crap? That I don't understand. Right. Yeah, so that's something that I'd love the Reddit to to talk to me about and see what's, what, what we can do there. And then also the, the trade-off between SSD and uh, normal hard drives. Yeah. Yeah, like that's that's another thing. Like, uh, again, if money weren't an option, I'd just buy the biggest possible SSD. Uh, but like, they cost so much. Have you tried money not being an option? 
<laughs> you're serious. Have you have you tried being fabulously wealthy? Yeah. Do you know what the do you know what the really annoying thing is? And I oh, oh this is I don't know if I really want to discuss money per se because it's kind of money is privilege, you know. And yeah. it's 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 hard discussing money without kind of you know making others feel bad if they don't have money or anything. But because I've been saving for college. I do have the money to pay to buy the biggest MacBook Pro I can. Like that, right. that that money exists. Like I have that money. The only thing is though, it's that comes directly out of college funds. Yeah. So the difference between being able to buy it and being able to afford it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um and then the worst thing of course is that because I'm going to have to take a loan out to go back to college, any money I take out of the college fund is like functionally worth three times that amount. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so if I take out 3.6K, which I'd never do anyways, that's like that's that's like 10 grand worth of a loan, you yeah. know? Like, and that's just something that I, I can't, I can't, I can't do at all. So yeah, that's that, that's essentially it. It's a very, very short green room. Have, if, if anyone is tech savvy in the Reddit, talk to me about the, the needs a video editor and a graphic designer should demand of their computer. And talk to me about, like, the relative costs of these things. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I've I've solved some of my computer problems recently. Oh, have you? Bill, by the way, I cut this from the last show, but last time oh, around, yes, listeners... We, we didn't discuss... Yeah, we discussed this, but it didn't, it didn't make it into the show. It didn't make it into the show. We had a bit of a discussion the last time about um, how I'm cursed when it comes to technology. Yeah, Bill, technology breaks around Bill. Stuff always, like... Well, it's not that it, like, breaks... To, catastrophically just nothing ever works quite right <laughs> there's always some kind of small issue so outline your phone it, is going well you know in brief outline your briefly outline your technology issues and then tell us about the resolution so um well specifically with my laptop it, it didn't charge properly for about a year it, it started con- insisting that i wasn't using an official dell uh, laptop charger and so i could run it on the charger and the battery wouldn't deplete but I couldn't actually get the battery to, to charge up I would do it every so often it would do it every few months <laughs> just capriciously um, like it, yeah yeah pretty much and like more and more intermittently as time went on like the, the periods of of it actually choosing to uh, accept the charger grew further and further apart and I looked this all up online and it was um, apparently a motherboard issue so the only way to, to remedy it was to get a new motherboard Oh yeah, and I, I, you know, I spent ages with this, um, kind of working. So I was like, oh, you know, I can get by as long as you know it, it'll, it'll charge a couple times or maybe once a fortnight or whatever, and I can get by with that. Um, but then it just stopped working altogether for months and months. Hmm. And I was like, I mean, I could replace the motherboard, or I could spend three hundred quid of that money on actually, you know, and a bit more, and buy an actual new good laptop. Yeah, which I've been, I've been kind of thinking of doing anyway. What, what do you think about buying? Something that I can work with for the next kind of three to four years. So I'm, I, I kind of want to make a big purchase, kind of like you, drop a good deal of money and have something that I won't have to worry about for the next while. I've got a lot of um, brands that are on my blacklist that I'm not buying again. Oh, do you want to give us, oh, can we mention this? Nah, no one listens to this podcast. What's on your blacklist? I mean, I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with me saying what is on my personal blacklist. Okay. What's on your blacklist? Toshiba. Oh, oh, bad. Oh. Uh, but before I moved to Mac, uh, I had a Toshiba. 
No, mm. no, sir. Not again. Do you remember my, you remember my Toshiba? Yeah, oh, it was a train wreck. <laughs> Literally held together with tape for, for the last kind of year or so of, of me using oh. it. Oh. Um, <laughs> and um, I don't like HP because they put so much... Like when, whenever you buy HP printers, they just bombard you with register for this, register for this, and it's really mm. hard to make that stuff go away. Mm. So they, they've blotted their copybook. And um, I haven't been particularly impressed with Dell in this one because of that that problem, which is a, a quite common, according to the forums. So what is a good Windows laptop to get? Because I don't do I don't this world. I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Alienware. I've heard Lenovo are good at the moment. Yeah, Alienware with all of my wealthy composer money. Oh, um, but yeah, speaking of just on the subject of Alienware, right? I looked up, I was kind of curious. I was like, okay, so if I go back to Windows, right? Mm-hmm. What can I get for the money that I would spend on Apple? For three, for that three and a half grand? Uh, slightly less than that. It was, I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Like, I can't. There's no way of doing that. And I went to Alienware and I was like, oh, I know Alienware as being a really high-end PC. Yeah. Or, la- or or desktop. And I was like, oh, I wonder what I get. And I was expecting it to go into like the set, like five, six thousand. It's like, no, for the same money, you get like incredible specs. Like incredible specs. For the same money for a top end MacBook Pro, you can get an Alienware model that has a, I think it's a 256 gigabyte SSD, right? Plus a one terabyte normal drive. Okay. And like, on Apple, you can get you uh, you'd get a five twelve SSD, and you're like whoa. And the same thing goes for the processors and the RAM. Like thirty two gigs of RAM is not an option on MacBook Pros, but for Alienware's it, it is. Like it's just it's just wow. mental. The minute you step outside the Apple ecosystem, everything is dirt cheap. Like comparatively dirt cheap. Yeah. You know, uh, I've been hearing good things about Lenovo as well, actually. Uh, they were on the list of, what is it, top laptops for graphic designers. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently I've been reading a lot about these these things. So, um, so yeah, Lenovo seems like a good bet. You should do this. When are you buying the new laptop? Well, I don't know if I will, because okay. as I said, I don't know if I will soon, because as I said, I've actually solved my problems with this laptop. Oh, yeah. How did you solve your problems? Um, Duct tape. No, I, I bought a new charger, not from Dell, and it's fine, and it's, it's stopped complaining, and it charges all the time now. So apparently it wasn't a motherboard issue, from in my case. Oh, that's that's hilarious. Uh, is that the only one of your tech problems? Or have you had, have you had more tech problems? Uh, on this, well, like, the, the screen, there's something weird with the screen that I get weird lines down it every so often. Um, like I get a green line about like a, a fifth of the way in from the right hand side running vertically did you bash your laptop? no no huh. I'm very careful with this uh, that's that's what it's all on this one my internet connection has been really bad in my house recently uh, so that's not great my phone is working well though I've got a new good. phone that's working very well so uh, that's, the that's Samsung good. yeah I got a Samsung yeah yeah Good, 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 good choice of phone. Again, I don't know much about the Android world, but I know that Samsung is a good brand. It's a very, mm. very good brand to buy. Do you want to hear a, a funny thing about internet connection in my house? Yes. If I move my laptop into the literal corner of the room, I can't get internet. Really? Yeah. So if I t- so where I'm sitting now, if I turn a meter to my left and just put it beside the corner, no internet. And the modem, the router is in the next room. <laughs> Everywhere else in the room, it functions. Just that corner, and that corner is my put, where I put my laptop to watch movies at night. It's like, oh, 
Why? Well, you should probably put it somewhere else. Yeah, but like, I, <laughs> but it has to be near the bed, man. Like, you you can't I can't just like put my laptop on the other side of the room and I'm lying in bed. And so so do, you, do you have to like preload everything? Like, let everything buffer and then? Yeah, I have to preload a movie a meter away from where I want to watch it. That's not great. No, it's not great at all. <laughs> Uh, and then a further thing on uh, on technological problems. Uh, I recently found out, or at least I read some rumors, that the new MacBook Pros will be launched in the fourth quarter of this year. Mm-hmm. Which means that this is literally the worst time for my Mac to be going through problems. Because if I buy right now, I buy a machine with like three-year-old innards. Right. And the what makes it even worse, you know, this is something that Android people are going to love and be like, ah, Mac, is that the idea of a fourth quarter is kind of ambiguous. Like, it's either their fourth financial quarter, which I believe is July-ish will be that, or it's oh. the actual fourth quarter of the year, which means it's like December. <laughs> and it's kind of like, no one knows. <laughs> so I could be sitting here with a dodgy MacBook for like months just because I don't want to commit the money to buying something that's old when literally like within the space of two, three months, like if if we're optimistic, a new line can be sent out, you know? It's a poor investment from a future proofing point of view. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then then the worry I have with like when they launch the new MacBook Pros, it's kind of like, are these going to cost even more because they're new? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, it's not, this is not a cheap environment to be in. And it sucks. You could steal one. (laughs) I could steal one. You know, Bill, you know, Bill, it might come to that. <laughs> or you could steal some other things and sell them for money. And that way, that's like pretty easy money. <laughs> yeah, and afford it. there's no risk involved in that at all. You know? Yeah. It's well, easy. well, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't say no risk. Uh, so, uh, I, you know what the worst thing is? The, 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 the really sucky thing. And this is not meant as a, a complaint uh, and I get that this could come across as very entitled and I don't want that at all is that this all arises from the fact that I do like professional level work without professional pay do you know like this would be, if yeah. I like this would be such an easy investment if like all of the work I was doing was getting paid at you know industry standard mm-hmm. you'd be like oh yeah boom they can just make that that's a business cost but the, the fact that we like turn I don't turn over like any profit at all Everything has to come out of somewhere else, you know? It's really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, what can you do? So, again... Sub- so, everyone subscribe to the Artifacts Me <laughs> YouTube channel. Watch our videos load. Watch Edgar's videos loads. Listen to our podcast loads. <laughs> because he's really beggy. <laughs> um, and then that way he'll have loads of money to buy himself a nice new MacBook and then like, buy me lots of lovely romantic gifts. Oh, I love the way you don't want to get paid a salary. You just want romantic gifts. <laughs> you never take me dancing. <laughs> no, oh, we should go dancing in that pub in Dublin that does the licorice drinks. What? Oh, you're so bad at remembering old references. Do you remember you said we'd go to do- this place in Dublin, there's some Czech place that does licorice drinks? Oh, yeah, it does, it does like a kind of a... <laughs> Well, I, I think it might be aniseed rather than licorice, but um, it's a similar flavor. Yeah, cafola, uh, it's called. So can we can, we can go dancing there, and I can like uh, I can oh god, oh, it sounds so cringy when I think about it. We uh, I can like sip this this cafola while you you are draped around my arms as we dance across the dance floor. It sounds good, dude. <laughs>
I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> you're you're like oh, you got the calendar open. You're like okay, when am I free next? Okay, boom. I mean, like I've got nothing on for like most of July and August. So <laughs> let's let's go dancing. Oh, I I, wa- I want to finish off on an actually a really appreciative note. Speaking of the idea of going back to college, right? Mm-hmm. I am taking grinds from a mutual friend of ours to get my maths back up to like uh, sort of college level standard. Yeah. And YouTube at the moment is covering the bill for those grinds. What? Yeah, yeah, YouTube like uh, I I don't wanna, I don't want to give out specified amounts, but uh yeah, I have to pay our mutual friend x amount per month for the privilege of grinds and YouTube mm-hmm. is just covering that now. So brilliant. As a as a direct result of people like you, the listeners, watching my stuff, you are literally getting me back to college and getting me studying physics and that is awesome. Class. Yeah, it's really cool. So I just want to finish up. I just want to finish up the podcast on a really appreciative and th- and thankful note. Like it's it's seriously cool. Well and done, art- artifacts of fans. <laughs> artifacts of fans. <laughs> okay, cool. Bill, shall we shall we call it there? Let's call it there. Okay, boom. See you next time. Rao. Rao. <laughs>